Good morning, everybody online. Glad you're joining me here. If you're on my one of my various streams, whether we're on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm Pastor Wayne H. On all of those streams, you can share this feed because church is about to get started. Today is our teacher's appreciation. It's a back to school backpack Sunday. I can flip it around here. I'll flip it around. You can see all the backpacks in the back of the room. See if I can do it. Mm, right there. See all those backpacks back there? Right behind Bruce. So wave, Bruce. <laughs> We're packing backpacks today. About 24 backpacks for all the kids here at Sedalia Elementary and in Douglas County. Next week, next weekend, we're gonna have Dr. Jim Calhoun from Castleview High School now from Castle Rock Christian Academy is gonna be our special guest. We're gonna pray over these backpacks, continue to stuff them today, praying for the kids as they go back to school, praying for parents that are homeschooling, praying for all the teachers, just praying for a really, really good new school year and just God's blessings on every kid as they go back to school. So share this link with a friend. Church is about to get started, as I said. Grab a Bible, grab a notebook, grab a, 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 a pen and a friend and join me here in five minutes as we worship Jesus and we celebrate what he's doing and what he's going to do here this school year. See you soon.
does it. It's a mystery. Hate it. All right, good morning, everybody. If that little noise didn't wake you up, I don't know. That, that was my alarm clock for the church today. Hey, uh, good to see you. It's Backpack Sunday. We're stuffing backpacks there. So if you brought supplies for the backpacks, you can just take them to Meredith back there, and we will stuff them up. I believe that this church is so awesome that you guys have bought every single item on the sign-up sheet, so all of these backpacks are fully stocked. Isn't that wonderful? So that is, give yourselves a hand, give Jesus a hand, give God a hand for providing. Wasn't that wonderful? And then did you look over to the far right outside? The, the shed has brand new siding on it, so we've cleaned out the squirrel nests and the little critters and swept the place out and took the old junk out and we're putting a new siding on it and it's really amazing so god is doing some really cool things here in this little church today and this weekend uh so like i said stay after today for a little cookout with hamburgers and cheeseburgers and then um next week our very special guest will be dr jim calhoun who was the principal of castleview high school high school he's a friend of mine for many years I'm on the, on the board for his school called Castle Rock Christian Academy. He's going to be our very special guest next Sunday. And we're going to give that, that, of course, Castle Rock Christian Academy as many backpacks as they want and need. And hopefully we'll also have some representatives from Sedalia Elementary. If anybody has an inside track at Sedalia Elementary, I would love to talk to you. I've left message after message after message to their administrative office and have not gotten a call back. I've emailed them. I've done everything I could possibly do. I'm trying to give stuff to you for free. And they don't return my call. Or they're not in the office yet. So if anyone has any hot track at Sedalia Elementary, let me know. Um, but we're going to pray over the backpacks and then we're going to present them to whoever wants them and receives them next weekend. Uh, with our educators blessing so stand with me let's uh, let's praise God this one I think you know it's it's a great one it, it's about not being ashamed of God ready
opportunities. So Lord, I pray you'd bless us, Lord, and go before us this school year. Father, we think about teachers in this room. I think about Meredith, who's teaching, and Jen, and others who are going back to school, and Johnny, Father, and all the extended relationships that we have that are going into this next school year. Lord, I pray that we would learn as much as we can, we would teach as much as we can, that you would help us to just take every thought captive and that our minds would become the minds of Christ. We would submit every thought to you and make it obedient to Christ. And Lord, I pray you bless this week and even next week when Dr. Calhoun comes, I pray that it would just be a, a great new season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're pulling up some old stuff and new stuff and uh, this one haven't done this one in a while, but I think you'll remember it. It was a pretty hot one in a, a few years back.
Summit Church. How's everyone doing today on this nice, cool day? Gotta love it. Thank you, God. Uh, I'm going to read the highlighted verse in the One Year Bible, and it comes from Romans 15, verse 5. But before I do, I got to say, how about that percussion uh, <laughs> section over here, huh? Gotta love it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and and before I do, I just want to throw out my huge thank you to everyone that had any part of yesterday's church cleanup. I can't tell you how much it's appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know what's what's nice about it is we were kind of out here working in harmony, you know? Everyone was just doing their thing and it was all coming together. And listen to this verse. May God who gives his, you can be seated, relax, enjoy. <laughs> May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about harmony. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, it was fun. We had a little ZZ Top memorial music going on. It was appreciated by some, but probably not all, but it was, it was good. It kept the musicians motivated, at least, right? <laughs> Thank you. Well, this one is another oldie but a goodie. I'm talking about, I titled my message today, The Four of Hearts. The Four of Hearts. And you'll know why here in a minute, but this worship set has had sort of a theme about the heart. And uh, if you know the song, we just sing along. I give you 
everybody who's joining us online. Glad you're watching and listening today on the various streams. If you want to be a part of the ministry, there's three ways to give. You can go to mysummitchurch.com and click the donate button. You can mail a gift to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcott Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or text your gift to 303-625-9434. Enter the amount of your gift in the text box and follow the prompts using your smartphone. And 100% of what you give by text will go directly to the ministry. Once again, so glad you're joining us for Church Online today. We'd love to see you in person. Go refill your coffee, get a Bible, get a notebook and a pen. We're going to get into our study today talking about the four of hearts. We can't wait to have you along. we start the fellowship it's hard to stop around here I know how that goes but grab your Bible grab your friend find a seat we're gonna get into our study today and I have a really lame magic trick I'm gonna start with who likes lame jokes and lame magic tricks anybody like a lame magic trick okay this is the lamest one I can come up with for this sermon all right watch this, this is very very lame I'm gonna do it close for the, for the on online audience is what I've titled today's message, The Four of Hearts. So if you're taking notes, there will be four points based on having the heart of God. We want to have the heart of God, right? The, the one song I didn't pull today, which I almost did, was open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you high and lifted up, right? Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love and sing, singing holy, holy, holy. The heart of God is worship. The heart of God is Him reaching down to us, to mankind. And what He desires for us is for us to desire Him. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. And you know, the closer you are to God, the more you become like God. You ever notice that older people start to look like each other? You ever notice that? And their dog? Yes, they look like their dog, for sure. My dog is starting to get gray in his in his beard and on his back. He used to be a black dog. Now he's he's black with gray on, the, on his little spine. I'm like, oh no, he's starting to look like me. We take on the, the characteristics and the traits of the people that we love, right? We, we rub off on each other. And that's true not just of a church, because we do, right? Churches have a culture. We, we talk like each other, we think like each other, we have sort of ways of doing things, right? 
And same thing with God. The more time you spend with Jesus, hopefully, <laughs> the more you look like Jesus, the more you talk like Jesus, the more you love like Jesus, the more you do the things that Jesus did, right? Amen? He says, if, I, if I'm living in you, these, these things you're going to do that you've seen me do, you're going to do these things and even greater things will you do. Hasn't even entered in the heart of man all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Right? There's some amazing things if you decide, hey, I'm going to partner with God and I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this life with him because a life spent with God is a life that's never wasted. A life that's spent with God is a life that's never wasted. A lot of people think, oh, well, it's too late for me. I've wasted so much time. Or you don't know what I've done. Or you don't know what I've said. You don't know how far gone I am. Listen, you're never too far gone for God. It's never too late to turn around. It's never too late to say, okay, fresh start. Mulligan, who do over, tee it up again. Come on, any golfers out there? I've had a few. I've had a few. You know, God loves us even in our failure, especially in our failure. Because in our success, we go, wow, thanks, God. It's easy to believe God loves you when you're successful. But it's really hard to believe that God loves you when you failed, when you messed up, when you didn't do so good, when you, feel, when you, you, just, you just didn't do the right thing. And you know it, and God knows it, and everybody else knows it. The best thing to do is not to double down and make another mistake, but say, I was wrong. I repent. God, I'm sorry. I want to have your heart, right? Give me your heart. And so the four of hearts, because I have four points in this message, we're continuing our New Testament study. This year we've been going through the New Testament from Matthew to the end of Revelation, five chapters at a time. We're up to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And Paul has been in this dialogue with the church about um, his authority, about how to treat one another, the hardships that he was going through, us being the living temple of God is kind of where we left off last time. And in chapter 7, we're continuing the talk about having a heart for holiness or having a heart for repentance. And so here's where we pick up in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. I'm, I underlined that last part. Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. How many know you're never going to arrive as a Christian in this life? In fact, Christians that think they've arrived, self-righteousness is their problem. That's a religious spirit that's their problem. If you think you're perfect, that's your problem right there. He says, let us work toward complete holiness. That means it's a moving target. <laughs> that means every single day, I'm going to have either the chance to hit it or miss it. I'm going to have the chance to live in obedience in that moment, or I'm going to screw it up. Or I'm just going to ignore the good that I should have done, or I'll know what not to do, but I'll just go ahead and do it anyway. Come on, any human beings in this church with me today? Okay, I have good days, I have bad days. I have good mornings, I have bad mornings. Amen, Kim? Me and my wife, yeah, amen, yes, oh yes, she knows, right? And all the wives said, amen, right? We have good days and bad days. We get grumpy, we get hungry. We feel lonely or tired. We feel unappreciated. Come on, right? You know, that's, that's just how God made us. It's part of our makeup. And so he knows that we're not going to be perfect every day. 
How many know once you became a Christian, that didn't mean that you're going to be perfect from then on? God looked at you and sees the very righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He declares you perfect, but you haven't been fully perfected yet. You're walking in discipleship. We are being perfected, but it is like one program says, progress, not perfection. It's a moment by moment. I'm in, I'm in this grace improvement program where God is helping me. He's chipping off the rough edges. He's helping me be more like Christ in my thoughts, in my mind, in my speech, in where these feet go, what these hands do, right? How I spend my money, how I spend my time, right? How I, how I spend my treasure, all those things matter to God. And I'm not going to do it perfectly, and neither are you. And so we have to, if, we, if God gives us grace, we have to give ourselves a little grace too. Say, God, okay, God, but don't let yourself off the hook. That's the trick, right? Like, I'm not going to say you're a terrible person, but at the same time, I'm made as one of God's sons, imperfectly, being perfected. Moment by moment, day by day. I'm becoming, hopefully, more like Christ. And it's, it's a moving target. I wish we could just say, oh, I graduated from Christian, Christianity, got the diploma, put it on the wall, and never have to go to church again. It's not how it works. Not how it works. Never have to pray again. I already nailed it. I know how to, it's our Father. Right? No, no, no. Not a script. It's not a diploma. You don't graduate from Christianity. It's a lifestyle. It's an adoption into a family. And once you're in the family, you're always in the family. You understand me? You're in. It's no getting out of the family. You're in the family. Well, like another club says, brothers for life. Once you're jumped in, you can't get jumped out. There's only one way out, and you don't want that way, right? <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about knowing Jesus is our salvation is secure. We've been bought with a price. Because we've been bought with his perfect blood, it's our obligation, it's our duty to glorify God with our body. To be more like Jesus. So this is the heart, the first heart, if we're keeping track or writing down notes here. Heart number one of the four of hearts is this, a heart for holiness. Man, that is an archaic word, isn't it? You don't hear a lot of preachers talk about holiness. That's not a part of a modern day sermon topic. I, I can't think that I, I've listened to a lot of Joel sermons and I have never heard Joel talk about holiness. I wish that I had, but it's an unpopular word. You want to know why people don't want to talk about holiness because it's hard <laughs> it means i have to discipline myself into doing what i know is right and here's what paul has to say about it in verse 5 he says so when we arrived in macedonia there was no rest for us we faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside but god who encourages those who were discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of titus and he his presence was a joy, but so was the news that he brought uh, of the encouragement that he received from you when he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me. I was filled with joy. I'm not sorry that I sent you that severe letter, um, though I, I was sorry at first, for I know that it was painful for you for a little while. He's referring to this discipline in the church that we talked about before, this man who was in a sexual relationship with his stepmother, and they disciplined the man they sort of kicked him out and said, hey, you can't 
You can't just live in sin and pretend everything's cool. You gotta repent of this if you wanna be a part of what we're doing. You can't just call yourself a Christian and live however you want. So they disciplined the guy and he was so remorseful. I think what Paul was insinuating in the text was he was suicidal. Like he was out of, out of himself over how he knew what he did was wrong. So he said, hey, receive him back. Forgive him now, bring him back in. He's sorry for what he did. Welcome him back into the fellowship. There's always, there always has to be a path for restoration. There always has to be a path to return. We Christians, we're really terrible at this. We're the one group in the world that shoots our own wounded, right? We're the one people that beat you down when, the le when you time when you're least able to defend yourself. That's, the, that's a very wrong thing for us to do. We need to lift people up when they're downtrodden and when they're feeling guilty and remorseful. If they're ready to make a change, that's the time when we need to lift them up. Amen, somebody. And so he says, I, I know that it was tough for you to hear that letter, but I'm not sad. He says, now that I'm glad that I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have, so you are not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Now, I don't think that's talking about eternal salvation. I think that's talking about being saved from the consequences of a sinful lifestyle. That you be saved from a life of dissipation or drunkenness or, or idolatry or hatred or anger or bitterness. Because you know what? Christians can get trapped too. Someone who believes in Jesus can get trapped into a problem or a life-controlling issue. And you're not, you might be saved, but you're not saved. You know what I'm talking about? You're saved eternally. You know about Jesus. You ask him to forgive your sins, but you've got this life-controlling problem. Well, God can save you from those too. He can save you from those too. If you'll turn to him and live, if you make that decision. So he says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. See, worldly sorrow just bemoans the consequences, but it doesn't change the behavior. Right? It's like, oh, I can't believe that I got sent to jail because I robbed that liquor store. Can't believe I got caught. Well, how about I can't believe I robbed the liquor store? How about that? Right? Now, I sold dope to the wrong guy. No, no, no. You were selling dope. Not to the wrong guy. It was that you were selling dope. That's why you ended up in jail. Come on, right? You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people have this idea that they're sad that they got caught. They're not sad that they did the wrong thing. That's not repentance. <laughs> come on. Come on. Can you see the difference? It's easy to see the difference when you're not in it, but sometimes you see it, it, it and you don't see it in yourself, right? We're blind to our own problems and sin. That's why we need one another too, by the way, in relationship where people can see what you can see. They can help you see in your blind spot and go, hey, are you, I don't think you're thinking about this right. Well, calm down a second. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure, right? That's why we need each other so desperately. So repentance, holiness, turning from sin saying, I don't want to keep going that way. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They ascend to Christianity as a world philosophy, but they have not been converted. They haven't really given ownership of their heart and life to God. They go, oh yeah, I, like, I can go along with that intellectually. Well, you're not going to be 
talked into <laughs> Christianity. You're not going to be philosophized into it. It's, you're going to be converted. It's going to be a complete life change. You're going to surrender. You're going to sign the deed of your life over to God. Say, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, God. Whatever you got to do. Whatever I got to do. Whatever I got to lay down. To be close to you, Jesus. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live. I surrender 10%. Oh, I surrender all. I surrender all. Boy, that's radical, isn't it? I would say the lion's share of American Christians are not living that way. They like the cultural trappings of Christianity. They like to look like a Christian. Put a little Jesus fish on your soccer mom van, you know. Do your thing. But uh, then the rest of the week, have your way, right? Rather than let Jesus have his way. Ooh, I know I'm stepping on toes because it's getting real quiet in this little, this world, little church up here. But yes, repentance, holiness. And it isn't easy. It's a moving target. No one arrives. It's a day by day. Say, God, help me today. It's another day. And so I love what King David said, that God's mercies are new every morning. Every day I get another mulligan. Every day the sun comes up and God goes, well, Wayne, you got another shot today. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to waste another one? Or are you going to use this one for my glory? Are you going to get out of yourself and start thinking about others? Or is this going to be another 24 hours wasted doing, doing what you do? Having it your way. And hopefully, day by day, I'm getting better at saying, God, no, no. I want it your way, not my way. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? What should I be accomplishing today? On my little punch list, my little to-do list. God, what, what, what is it? Okay, I'll write that down. Oh, I had this written down. No, no, cross that off? Okay, okay. All right, Lord. That moment by moment of the day, I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide me into what he wants me to do. Well, let's get on to chapter 8. There's so much more we could say about that, but he's he talking about holiness is encouraging, and he was encouraged to see them repent and turn back to God. So that's the first heart, a heart of holiness. Heart number two is a heart forgiving. A heart forgiving. Chapter 8, he calls the church to generous giving. He says, now I want you to know, dear friends and sisters, uh, brothers and sisters, what God is, his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. For they're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they also were filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. It's like, they, these people gave even when they couldn't afford to give. And they were glad to do it. They weren't like grudgingly like going, okay, here's some money. No, no, no. Oh, man, God's got so much for me. Well, how can I not be a, like, be a part? I want to partner with whatever God's doing. Oh, yes, people. God has people. Like these Jewish people in Jerusalem. And they're being persecuted because their people don't receive them. And they believe the same Jesus I believe. Well, let's help them. Let's send some money. Paul, take, take this to Jerusalem along with you as you go. Because I've been blessed, man. I'm so thankful. God saved me, and I, I don't have to live my old way anymore. I'm free. Of course, here. Here's a few shekels for my pals in Jerusalem. Tell them Vinny says hello. 
Right? <laughs> that we that, that that love and generosity that we have as a church, it makes us brothers, no matter where we're from, no matter what the col the color of our skin might be, no matter language we speak, no matter what country that we may be from, or or our background or socioeconomic level, that the love of Christ is that bonding agent that brings us to a place where I'm overflowing with love and I'm grateful. It says, so chapter, uh, verse four of chapter eight says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped uh, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. I, I think it's a perfect reflection of it right here in our church. These backpacks. It's like put it, God, God kind of put up my heart like, hey, let's, let's pack some backpacks. You know, let's, let's, let's bless some families. You know, there's people have really struggled when they've lost their job during the pandemic. Or like, I've seen these, <laughs> these lists that the schools give parents. And they're like, man, if, if you had to choose between school supplies and groceries, that might be a tough call. Right? Like, oh, by the way, I don't have anything in the back right but at least my kids got to eat this week, right? So, like, maybe we could be a part of someone's answer to prayer, right? Maybe there's some mom or dad are like, I don't know how we're going to pay for schools. What, the church is going to, they're, they're, they're going to give it to us? No strings attached. We don't have to go to the church or sign a form or, like, be a member. Just, just because they love us? Because the Jesus loves me? Wow. <laughs> That's amazing, right? That's amazing. And that's the love of God. That heart of giving, it creates that spirit that Jesus was talking about. And the same thing that Paul was talking about when Titus came and encouraged them. And so he says, so verse 6, So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the with the eagerness of other of the other churches. And you might want to underline this in your Bible, verse nine. It says, "You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty." He can make you rich. It's, is it money? Yes, partially. But prosperity is more than money. Prosperity is peace of mind. Prosperity is friendship. Prosperity is health in your body. Prosperity is being able to sleep at night. Prosperity is being sober-minded. Right? It's much more than money. Money is a part of it, but it's just a, little, it's just a small part of it. That we would prosper even our, as our soul prospers. The generosity and prosperity are connected. And of course this teaching has been abused in our materialistic American <laughs> corporate culture. In the, in the church, in the megachurch culture, especially where we've Americanized and corporatized ministry. It's not transactional, alright? I think, well, you give one dollar, you're going to get a hundred dollars back. Isn't that, no, no, no. That's not, <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't work like that, right? It comes down to where is your heart when you give? Why do you give? And trusting God that He will provide for you before and after you give. He's always going to provide. And that He's speaking of Jesus. 
the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he can make you rich. Jesus came to humble circumstances. God put him in a tiny little family in Nazareth to a carpenter's family. <laughs> Very humble circumstances. Not raised in a rabbi's home, not even close to Jerusalem. And made him the savior of the world from the most obscure of circumstances so that every one of us could relate to that. Every one of us go, well, he's just a normal dude. Just an average guy. There's, Paul says, or one of the apostles says that there was nothing that attracted us to him. There was nothing special about him. But it, it, was, it was God in him that somehow the miracles, the teaching, the, the, the things that he did and the things that he taught that, that created this most amazing life, that generous gift of grace. So... Paul just gives some practical coaching here. Verse 11, he says, Now you should finish what you started. Let, let the eagerness that you showed in the beginning be matched by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Yeah, and that kind of ministers back to the tithe idea. First fruits. In the Old Testament, it was 10% of, of your overflow. 10% of your increase. After you deducted all your expenses and you had a profit, you would give the first fruits 10% of your increase back to God. And that goes all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's, there's just all kinds of in, in instances of first fruits and tithing in the Old Testament. Paul's referring to that when he says giving in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. In other words, if you grudgingly give the tithe of the first fruits, there's probably not a blessing connected with it. If you're like, fine. Here's your 10%. God, take it. I'll pay my Jesus tax. But no, 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 no. Keep your money. Keep it. It's, not, it's cursed anyway if you have get that attitude. That's not a gift, right? That's you grudgingly. You think God blesses that? No way. No, and we've, we love this verse so much, we've etched it on our offering box in the back, everybody. You can read this one. So... <laughs> this little passage, it's not this particular verse, but it says, and give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Of course I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty so you can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way things will be equal. And this was true of the early church. They shared resources across great distances between Jerusalem and Antioch, and Antioch and Rome, and Rome to Cyprus. And like you look at the, where the church was going and how the apostles and teachers were sharing resources back and forth from church to church. It was a giant family that was just, hey man, my kid's kind of messing up. Can he come over to Antioch this summer? <laughs> he, needs, he needs to work in your shop this summer. Just spend a little time with you because he's driving me crazy and you maybe can impart some truth and lessons to him before he comes back to school this fall. Come on. You, ever, you ever got a cousin staying with you because your family couldn't stand him, their own kid anymore? Come on. You ever, you ever send a kid away for a summer to an aunt or uncle because it was good for them and it was good for you? Come on. Don't act so holy if you haven't done. Okay, thank you. Yes. And by the way, if that's requested of a cousin, you should do that for them. It's a great thing to do. To let, to let your home be a place where you create a culture 
where the love of God is there and the truth of God is also there. And they learn a different way, maybe some discipline, things they didn't have to do at their house. Oh, you get a dishes day when you live at this house. Oh, dishes day. Oh, I've never done dishes in my entire life. Well, you got to start now. Oh, you've never done your own laundry? Let me show you how. Here we go. I just put it here. Just set the hot, and then there's this is the dryer over here. Just like, oh, you have to take the filter out. Right? Come on, right? Life skills. Teaching young people life skills. So Titus and his companions, they take the gift, and he continues to teach about this in chapter 9. And we're still on this heart forgiving. Chapter 9, verse 6, he says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And this, this is what's etched in our box in the back, verse 9. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. And then bread to eat. So in other words, seed to the farmer. It's hard for a farmer to seed the corn that he could have eaten, right? But he puts it in the ground trusting that there's going to be a harvest. That's how it works with giving with God. Sometimes there's no promise, right? But I trust God. And I put the seed in the ground, believing there's going to be plenty later. So in the same way, he will provide, the increase, provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. It's a challenging teaching, right? Because it has been abused in America, especially. And very uh, high-end health, wealth, faith, kind of hyper-faith teaching. I tell you, but there's a balance to it because the Bible does teach about this. Sowing and reaping, planting and harvest. As long as the earth remains, these things are going to be true. Right? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. That's Bible. That's written in there. And we know that's true because stingy people aren't fun to be around. <laughs> right? <laughs> of course their world gets smaller and smaller. Generous people. Oh, man. What's he doing? Oh, he's throwing a barbecue at his house? What? These are good swag bags for everybody. Whoa, I'll be a part of that. Let's, let's throw a party like that sometime when, when we have the resources, right? It's fun to be around generous people, <laughs> right? Come on, somebody. All right, heart number three, a heart for the gospel. A heart for the gospel. Paul, again, defends his own authority. He's speaking again about these people that were kind of criticizing him. And verse three, he says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and, and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you become fully obedient, you will punish everyone who remains disobedient. What a, an appropriate thing for us to talk about as the school year begins, right? I think one of the best things to do, because we're trying to trying to impart knowledge into young minds, right? And as Johnny goes to back to class, right, as he takes on as he takes on new information, Johnny should be putting it through the filter of what he knows about God's word and God's truth. Right? As Meredith is teaching kids in school, and there's something comes up in the curriculum that's not biblical, 
She should put that through the filter and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I know this isn't quite right. Maybe the, maybe the author thinks this, but this isn't true. I know this isn't true. So we take every thought captive, bring it under the submission of Christ. And we want to dismantle unbelief and inspire truth. Right? Because the enemy is always trying to sow seeds of doubt, fear, and confusion. That's not God. God is a God of peace. He's a God of understanding. He's a spirit of counsel. He's a spirit of might and authority. He's not confused. God's never confused. So if you're confused, you just need to submit more to God in that area and let his clarity come, let his wisdom come. Because there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Right? <laughs> All right. There's so much more I could say, but I keep going. Verse 13. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will only boast about what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us, which includes our working with you. We're not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we had never visited you, for we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Paul is again referring to these people that were trying to cause church splits in the churches that he started. They would try to get a few church members and start their own church. Like, I'm the one who really taught you about God. <laughs> there are these false teachers that were trying to cause division, and it still happens today in many churches. It's, it's one of the enemy's tactics. And so he's saying, when we go to, to start a new church, I don't try to split people off from a church. I go to a place where the gospel hasn't been preached. I reach new people for Jesus and establish a new church where there hasn't been one. Amen? So, so if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is that the Lord commend them. And that's the same thing that's true for you and I. You don't need praise from people. You don't need an attaboy or an girl. Maybe it feels good. But honestly, the only approval you really need is the approval of your Heavenly Father. All you really need to do is to refer back to what did God ask me to do? What has He called me to do? What has He gifted me for? Am I doing that? All right then. It's all right. They don't like me? <laughs> it's on them. Right? God loves me. <laughs> and i got to be okay with people not liking me sometimes. That's all right. Right? And Jesus made some people mad. Do you know who he made mad the most? The religious people. They were the ones who were most upset with him. So if you're making religious people mad, you're probably in pretty good company, everybody. You know? So Paul goes on to talk about this, uh, about the false prophets that, are, that were in the church, and they're coming. And he begins to talk about his qualities or his, his um, pedigree when it comes to being a, a teacher of the gospel. And they're saying, oh yeah, Paul, he's... He's strong in his letters, but he's a really, really weak teacher. Like, he's so boring. You heard about the guy that fell asleep in his sermon and fell out the window? Like, they really, they were, they were mocking Paul, saying he's some kind of fake apostle. We're the real apostles. And Paul's saying, no, no, look, I'm, I am just as qualified. I'm the one who started this church. I'm the one who led you to Jesus. Do you guys remember? And he's going on to talk about this. I know I'm foolish to brag on myself, but I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on what Christ has done through me. And that's what he talks about in this chapter. He says, I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. 
I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Skipping down to verse 12. But I will continue to do what I have been, what I've always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They're deceitful uh, workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants would also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. And Paul says, I've gone through some trials to do what I've been doing with you guys. I may not be as gifted as a speaker. I may not be some somebody from Jerusalem. I may be just some, you know, Joe Schmo from Tarshish. But look, God has done some stuff in my life and I've suffered a bit for the gospel. And he begins to talk about his many trials in uh, verse, uh, we could say 16, but let's skip to 21. He says, I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to uh, boast about our own thing, about our own accomplishments. But whatever they dare to boast about, and I'm talking like a fool again, I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long and enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without even enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I don't burn with anger? If I, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor, King uh, Aratus, kept guards at the city gates to catch me and I had to be lowered in a basket through the window in the city wall to escape from him. The fourth heart, you can write this down, is a heart for adventure. A heart for adventure. You know that if you're really going to do the Christian life the way Paul did it, it's not boring. (laughs) It may not be the excitement you want, but it ain't boring. (laughs) You're going to have some adventures. You're going to have some stories. You're going to have some scars to show. You're going to you're going to, go, you're going to have some warnings like, hey, you know that pizzeria down two blocks over? Yeah, there's a really mean guy that hangs out. Look careful. Don't go to that pizzeria. Like, Paul would have some ideas about different towns that he'd gone to, the, the ugly things that he went through, like places, what to say, not to say in different places, and who to look out for, and and also the wonderful people that he ran into, the new people that became Christians and the churches that he started. And serving Jesus is an adventure. I think about my own life and 
I spent most of my life serving Jesus, trying to trying to live for Him and just listen to what the Spirit says and do it. And it's, it's not been easy. It's been pretty difficult sometimes. I've had high times. I've had low times. And today, Backpack Sunday, that's a big time. Look at all these full backpacks down here. All you guys filled every backpack to capacity. We can, can't even close the zippers because they're so full of school supplies. I'm so proud of you. So proud of what God is doing through this church and what he wants to do in your life. Serving God is an adventure. Will people not like you because you're a Christian? Maybe. Possibly. Could you see someone who is destined for eternity without Jesus in hell because of your witness and your testimony, your loving expression, turn them from darkness to light and see them go to heaven? Yeah, that can happen. I've seen it with my own eyes many times. The goal is to say, God, use me. I know I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. But today I have another shot. And Lord, help me today to do what you want me to do. And sometimes you'll suffer unjustly. Sometimes you'll go through difficulty. Just because you're suffering doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that, that he's mad at you. Sometimes you're just in a bad situation. <laughs> and uh, wrong place, wrong time. That happens to good people all the time. And yet God loves you even in the trial, even in the difficulty. And in the time of trial, I can just say this, as I've gone through so many things, and I think about even in my early life, I had a middle brother who died of leukemia back in 88. That was a very dark time. I could have run away from God. Many people of that age probably would. I made that decision at a crossroads in my life to say, you know what, I'm not going to run away from God. He's the very one who could heal me of this deep hurt that I'm feeling. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to lean into him even harder. Say, God, catch me. I can't handle this. This pain is too much for me. Rather than push God away and be angry with him, I decided to run right into him and let him wrap his arms around me. And that's one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I get that choice anytime I go through a big trial or big difficulty, and so do you. I can get mad, I can stiff-arm him, say, well, that's it, God, I'm not believing you anymore. Mm. You knew you not believing in him doesn't mean he doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> He's still there. What he wants to do, what he wants you to do is just turn around and receive, believe, embrace. Well... I try to share the gospel every single week. And I think our feed, someone can check the social media and make sure it's working. We've had our feed die the last couple weeks, but I think we're online now. Um, I want to do the Romans Road. What is the first address on the Romans Road? Any remember off the top of their head? Oh, thank you, man. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means everybody has sinned. There are no perfect people. Even the Pope has sinned. Even Billy Graham, when he was alive, he sinned. All the most wonderful people in the world have sinned. And of course, sinners sin. It's in the job description, right? You're a sinner. You sin. That's what you do. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 leads to the next address down the street, which is Romans 6.23. And that says, for the wages of sin... What's the price for sin? Sin has a price. The wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That means that I can't pay for these sins. Like, there's just too many, and I probably can't even remember them all, right? Even the good I know to do that I don't do, those are hard to remember as well, but God knows all, right? But the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When, when I admit my sin, I say, okay, this is the price, this is where I'm at, then I can make the exchange, which takes us to Romans 10, 9, and 10. There are other addresses, but 10, 9, and 10 is the one I like to go to. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because it's with the heart that men believe, it's with their mouth that confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is an exchange that we make. It's not me earning it. It's not me really suffering really bad for my own sins and somehow proving to God that I'm worthy of his love. No, no. He already loves me. He already loves me. He just wants me to turn and live and say, God, I have sinned. Please forgive me. I want you to take charge. Jesus, be my Lord. Confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I think most people in the room here have done that already, but you could be watching or listening online, or maybe you're not sure. You're like, I think I did it. <laughs> well, if you say, I think I did it, it means maybe you're not too sure. <laughs> maybe you said, nail it with me here as we pray this prayer. Church, pray out loud with me for those who might be praying it for the first time. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead according to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Be the leader and the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Awesome. Meredith, do you, will you have a use for some of these backpacks this week or should we wait? What are your thoughts on, on what we do with backpacks? We can present some to Dr. Calhoun next week, and if I get a hold of Sedalia Mentor people, we might get a better number, a firmer number for Sunday. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Okay. Yeah, and as the school year starts, many more teachers are going to know if there is a need in their class too. So I think what we do, we'll just put them in sort of a secure place here in the church and wait for Dr. Calhoun next week. We'll pray for him in the new school year and then try to do more info gathering about what needy families we can give them to, right? Isn't that wonderful though? Give yourselves a hand for what you're doing with the Backpack Sunday. So proud of this church, so proud of this church. You guys are amazing, you're amazing. You are like living the gospel. That's the gospel, like you were like, what's the gospel? No, it's right, just touch one of those backpacks. Oh, that's the gospel right there, you can pick it up. It's the love of Jesus, wow, feel it. I can feel the gospel <laughs> in tangible ways. Awesome. Well, uh, a couple of things. I will be redoing our little calendar of events coming soon. We're going to be doing the Alpha Course launch here this fall, hoping to do a weekend away. So like a Friday, Saturday at the YMCA, the Rockies and Estes Park, like we were going to do before the pandemic last time. It was kind of like kind of like a family camp. So if you want to be a part of that, it's going to be an overnight retreat. I think the, the cost right now with, for housing and uh, meals at YMCA the Rockies is about $90 
Um, that includes meals and your housing um, in, in a two-person two occupancy per cabin. So um, if you're interested in that, we'll start sending the, the sign-up sheet for that. And that's going to be our weekend away where we talk about the Holy Spirit, welcoming the Holy Spirit in. Um, and just inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives. And, and if you want to be a part of the Alpha Course, we encourage that as well. I think that's everything we have for today. Why don't you stand with me? I'll give you the blessing and we'll go. Father, thank you for all that we teach, learn through Paul, through what he suffered. Help us to realize that we're not always going to have a perfect day. We're not always going to be perfect people, but you are perfect. And that we want your perfect love to shine through us. Thank you for what you're doing through our ministry and what you're going to do this fall. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody. God bless you. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Have a great one. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.